If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to James 4, verse 8. I want to talk with you today about five guidelines to prayer. Our scripture says, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's that way through prayer. And prayer is the thing that I want to talk with you about this morning. One night in 1968, a pilot was flying his commercial aircraft across the country. They were supposed to land at New York City. And as they got closer, he couldn't get the landing gear down. It just wouldn't go down. And he kept working with it and pulling things and pushing things and doing this and doing that. Nothing worked. It wouldn't go down. Uh, He was uh, frantic. He didn't know what in the world to do. He had all these people on the plane. So he circled uh, the airport, and he called the uh, tower, the control tower, and asked them, said, uh, what what do I do now? And uh, they said, uh, do your best. (laughs) The ground crew responded. Uh, They went out and put foam everywhere. The emergency vehicles got on either side of the runway. They did all they could do. The pilot was instructed to come on in. The passengers were asked to prepare for the worst and to put themselves in crash position. Moments before the landing, the pilot announced over the intercom, we're beginning our final descent. Wouldn't you love to have heard that at that time? (laughs) And then he read something that uh, nobody on that plane had ever heard before. He read this. In accordance with international aviation codes established at Geneva, it is my obligation to inform you that if you believe in God, you should commence praying now. Amen. Well, of course, if they hadn't had a heart attack by that time, uh, they did then. Well, wonderfully, miraculously, they came in, did a belly landing, and no one was hurt. There were not even any injuries whatsoever. If that pilot hadn't found himself in a crisis that day, his passengers never would have known that the airline had this hidden provision for prayer. But isn't that the way it is for most people? As long as everything is going great, if everything is smooth, we rarely talk about talking to God. But as soon as the situation becomes life or death, you know, the soldier in the foxhole, as soon as that happens, Then they turn to God for help. That kind of thinking is almost expected among non-believers. Many of them have a flat tire mentality. As long as they're going down the highway of life and everything is working and the scenery is beautiful and family's in the car and just couldn't be better, and then flat tire. And the car starts going every which way. And then, of course... They turn to God. Turn to God. 
The remarkable thing is that many Christians spend little time communicating with God on a regular basis. Now, why is that? We address and stamp a letter, and we send it on its way, and we think uh, that letter's going to make it. It might take a while, but it's going to get there. Now, why is it to many people not believe that when they pray to the Lord, that they think it might not make it? It might not get up there, even though he's an ever-present Lord. People who have a genuine desire to pray and who have tried to develop a prayer life sometimes have the whole wrong idea about it. They think that they've got to get to a place where uh, they're all alone, way off, away from everybody else, And they've got to get down on their knees and bow their head and close their eyes and put their hands in front of them. They've got to do all that. And then they have taken a list with them. And when they get in just the right position, they go methodically through the list of things that they have to pray for. Now, none of those things are bad or terrible. That's not terrible at all. But that kind of mechanical praying really becomes very tedious. When prayer is formal, stiff, and lifeless, I want you to know that that's not the way prayer ought to be. Prayer should be the most natural thing in the world for us as believers to do. It's like speaking your mind with a friend that you trust. Prayer is talking with God and telling him that you love him. It's conversing with him about all the things that are important in our life in that particular day. And it's being assured that he is listening to every word that we say. First and foremost, prayer is talking to God and is getting to know him better. You might ask, how do you develop? How do you grow in a relationship with God? Well, it's like you would with anybody else. You begin to spend more time with them, more important time in sharing your life and hearing about their life. Think about your relationship with God as being similar to a marriage. The main difference is that God, unlike your spouse, is perfect. (laughs) He loves you unconditionally. He is absolutely trustworthy. And he forgives you for anything that you've done wrong in the past or in the present. All you have to do is ask for it. Look at some of the married couples you know. You can see that in a good marriage, the partners talk about everything. There are no hidden subjects. Their communication is spontaneous, it's transparent, it's open. They don't hold anything back. When communication becomes stiff and formal or non-existent, marriages deteriorate. Well, guess what? When it becomes that way with the Lord... Our relationship to him begins to deteriorate. Marriage expert Gary Smalley has said, 
that a healthy marriage relationship requires one hour of communication every day. Now, do you know how many people do that? Very, very few. How do you think your wife or husband would feel if the only time you talk to them, the only time you relate to them verbally, is when there's an emergency in the family? The same is true with God. A deep relationship with Him takes time. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. And it can't be built on an emergency basis. If we think we uh, can pray and pray, and we can be faithful, and we can give it our best, and if we think that that will build a relationship with God and cultivate a daily prayer regimen in our lives, we can become, if we are not already, a strong person of prayer. You know, you've heard about in every church, there are some prayer warriors. I've heard that all my life. I've heard all my life, you have some pillars in the church. Guess what pillars of the church do? They pray. They pray a lot to the Lord and for their fellow man. Let me give you five guidelines this morning that have helped me and helped a lot of other people in their prayer life. Number one is to be spontaneous. Try to put out of your mind once and for all that prayer has to be tedious and repetitive. It doesn't have to be and really shouldn't be either one of those. It doesn't mean that prayer time will always be fun and happy. Sometimes we are really hurting. Something's wrong with our son or our daughter, our grandchild, our great-grandchild. Something's wrong with our spouse. Something's wrong with our parents. Something's wrong in our life, at work, in the neighborhood, wherever it is. There's something going on that's real bad. And sometimes we even come to the point of, of crying about it before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. The Lord doesn't frown on that at all. There will be times that you need God for consolation about the most difficult issues that you have ever faced. Tell God everything. The good, the bad, with an attitude of openness and spontaneity. And a willingness to abandon your own agenda and to put God's agenda into your life. If sometimes you have an extra burden. Or there is an extra blessing that has come your way. You know what's always good to do in that circumstance is to get alone and to get in a comfortable place and to just talk with God and thank Him for the many blessings, for the ways that He has been with you all of your life since you trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, you want to be specific. The second attitude to employ about prayer is the desire to be direct and specific with God. It's not the number of words you say. Long, long time ago, I had a lady in the church that I was pastoring, and when she would pray, 
It wouldn't be for two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes. It would be for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. The word went all around the church, don't call on her to pray. (laughs) For crying out loud. You know, some people think that if they pray longer than anybody else, they're obviously the most spiritual one in the church. That's what they think. Well, that's wrong. You know, sometimes uh, folks uh, just can't get around to the point. But they do want to be eloquent. And so they put all the big words that they know into their prayer. And they think to themselves, you know, this is really impressive. What I'm doing, what I'm saying, really, really impressive. You know, God doesn't look at it that way. He really doesn't. What counts with God is that it is direct, it is specific. For example, look at some of the great works that have been done uh, from our history. Think about the Gettysburg Address with me for just a moment. It had 297 words in it. Scholars down through the years all over the world have said that that is one of the greatest speeches that was ever delivered in the English language. Think about the Declaration of Independence, a document the newly born United States of America sent uh, to Great Britain to say that we are pulling out, we're becoming our own country. One of the greatest documents that's ever been written. It was 300 words. Not a book, not a chapter, 300 words. Being specific in prayer also has great benefits. When God gives us an answer, we know it. Now let's just say that you're praying for somebody here in the area. And you get them to come to church. And you're praying for them morning, noon, and night. You're praying that they will trust in Christ and get right with God and, and kind of get their lives lined up in a new and spiritual way. And then one Sunday they walk up to you and they say, you know, I don't know all about it, but I came to know Jesus yesterday as my Lord and Savior. Then you know that your prayer, all of your prayers, were answered. You get the answer. When you see people in church holding on to the pew in front of them very tightly and then it comes time for the invitation and they slip out and they slip forward and they take a stand for Christ and you've been praying for them and praying for them and there they are and the decision is made. The more specific we are in our requests, the more alert we will be when the answers come. The more specific we can be with our thanks and praises to God later on for what he has done. When I was a little boy, I went to see a movie. Whenever I preach about prayer, I tell this story. Uh, I was just a little kid, and the movie was on Saturday afternoon. That's when I think my folks wanted to get rid of my brother and I. And so uh, they would take us to the movie every Saturday afternoon. Well, one Saturday afternoon, 
It was some kind of scary movie. I don't remember the title of it. It was something about 20,000 leagues or 7,000 leagues under the sea. It was some, something like that. And uh, Anthony Quinn was the star of the movie. I don't know if any of you remember Anthony Quinn. Well, in this movie, he had a big scar across his face, all the way across his face. I was a little kid. I thought, you know, that looks real manly. Manly. And I thought, I want to be manly. So that night, when I prayed, I said, Lord, give me, please, a scar like Anthony Quinn had. Please, God, give me a scar like that. I prayed that that night, and for every night thereafter, I know it was for over a month, and then God answered the prayer. God said, no, not going to do that. Aren't you glad when you make some irresponsible, not well thought out prayer? And God says, no, we're not going to do it that way. All right, thirdly, ask the right way. Part of any good relationship is a sensitivity to the other person and their needs. You know, one of the things that is wrong in America today is that we're all in a hurry. I have heard uh, so many people say, you know, I thought I was real busy when I was working, but now that I'm retired, I'm busier than I've ever been. Well, you know, we need to not be so busy that we don't see the needs in some other people around us. We need to be moving slowly enough to where we can see what's going on in some other people's lives and have time to talk with them, to sit down with them. You know, if the church doesn't do anything else, we ought to care for each other, love each other, lift each other up, draw each other closer to Christ. Don't be in such a hurry. You know, a lot of what we do is meaningless. A lot of what we do is to our detriment. Not to our joy. We need to take the time to know what's going on in folks around us, in their lives. In our relationship with God, he obviously knows about our needs before we do. As Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, Our Father knows what you need before you ask him. But do we know what God wants for us? That's one of the things that we get as we go to the Lord in prayer. As we're praying along, here comes a thought to our mind, and we think, where did that come from? And it's a a new idea. It causes us to take a, a new tangent the next day, to move in a in a different pace than the day before. You know, that's the Lord trying to, to break into our minds, our lives, our hearts, and guide us and direct us in, in a way that would be pleasing to him. The Lord wants to speak to us. He does, obviously, through his word. He does, obviously, through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He also does through these uh, uh, lights that come on in our brain, and we think in a new and different way. 
We have to learn to put ourselves at the disposal of God's agenda. Too often we just rush away and we're trying to get our agenda done. That's the most important thing in the world, we think. Well, it's not. It's not the most important thing in the world. We're blind to what God has for us. Ruth Graham said, she was the wife of evangelist Billy Graham, she said, God has not always answered my prayers. I would have married the wrong man several times (laughs) if he had slowed me down. God has many incredible, wonderful things for everybody in this room this morning. Amen. I mean wonderful things, not just a little bit good things. I'm talking about great and significant wonderful things. If we only ask for them. Somebody has written a book about this, and I, I don't know about the theology of it, but it's interesting. This uh, writer said that uh, everybody that's a Christian on earth, when they get to heaven, they're surprised by seeing a great big box there, huge, huge box there. And it's all wrapped up in paper very nicely. It has a ribbon around it. has your name on it. And you think, well, what in the world is this? You're in heaven. So you pull the thing, open the cords up, and open the top and look in and there is this huge huge box full of things that you never asked for when you were here on earth if you would have asked for them you would have had them well I don't know about that but I do know that God wants us to present our request to him and as we do that He will reach out with his loving hand and touch us and bless us in a very special way. Whenever our prayers are unanswered, God wants to have us continuing in our praying until the answer comes. Or until God tells us not to pray for that anymore. You know, stop praying for that. For example. Take the case of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. They prayed for a child, and God answered their prayer. Not when they expected. Decades and decades and decades later, God answered their prayer. Paul prayed for the removal of the thorn in his flesh. And God let him know that God's power is made perfect In our weakness. Then Paul realized that that thorn was in him for a reason. Now maybe you're having that. Maybe you have a thorn in your flesh. And you say, why in the world doesn't God take this away from me? Well, I don't know. You don't know. But God knows. And God is doing that to help you in some way or another. To cause you to to reach a plane, perhaps, that you've never reached before in your life. One of the most frustrating things for people is having to wait for an answer from God. A lot of you are type A people, and you want it right now, 
right now, not later, right now. Well, God doesn't work like that. He's not on our timetable. Many times he takes a long time to answer because he wants your relationship to him to grow as you continue to pray and to plead with him for various things. And he begins to speak to you through the word, through his spirit, through these new ideas that come to your brain. Number four, pray with all your heart. Have you ever tried to maintain a conversation with a toddler? It's tough, I'll tell you. You're right in the middle of your second sentence, and they think that that is a wonderful time to go and play with their toys. And so they, you know, they're off. Or they're off to run with the dogs. Or they're off, they go over to the sofa, and they're looking for that piece of cheese that they put between the cushions the night before. And you're trying to talk to them. It's very, very difficult to talk to toddlers. Uh, you, you can't keep their attention for more than about a minute. That's probably how God feels about most of us. You know, we have a busy day. We're going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And we may be give a one-minute prayer as we're doing this over here and we have a moment when everything is quiet. But then the phone rings or the text comes or the person barges into our office or this happens or that happens. And so, you know, we're moving on to the next thing. And then maybe later in the day, there's a minute in there when you squeeze in a word with the Lord. Do you think that makes the Lord happy? You know, that's, that's really not how he would, uh, would want it to be. We want to honor him. We want to show our love for him. We do that by each day giving him our full attention. And as we do that, he lets us in on more secrets, more wonderful things to know, more blessings to come our way. The final point is to pray continually. You say, well, I can't do that for heaven's <laughs> sakes. I've got a lot of things going on. <clears throat> can't do That's ridiculous. Who thought that up? God. <laughs> God did. We need to realize that God is with us all day. Now, you can pray in your car. Please keep your eyes open. You can pray in your car. I put, uh, I don't know, about 20,000 miles a year on my car. And, you know, I'm alone a lot in the car. And, you know, I have found that that is a good time to ask God to lead you and guide you in your life. Think about the times that you're comfortable, that you're sitting down, that you're resting you're, you're relaxing on the sofa. That's a great time to pray. You can pray early in the morning. I know some people that get up at 5 in the morning. Brother Ed, what time do you get up in the morning? That's what I thought. 5 o'clock in the morning to do what? To pray. He gets up at 5 to pray. You know, is that a great illustration for all of us? I am not a morning prayer. <laughs> I want to confess that. 
I like to pray before meals. I'm a night prayer. Cindy and I pray together each night. We pray for each of you that are sick. We pray for each of you that we know about that are having a hard time. We pray for our church as a whole, that God will lead it and bless it. All the wonderful things that we would pray for. As our relationship with God continues to deepen as we pray in all those kind of instances, guess what happens? This continual attitude of prayer becomes there for us. And we realize that all day long can be a throne to God. Every hour of every day we can remember him, pray to him, ask him to lead God and direct us. This morning I want to do something a little differently. I want to ask you to pray with me. Let's bow our heads. Father, today, if there's somebody in this room that a lot of our folks have been praying for, asking that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and give their heart to him, I pray, Lord, that today in these coming moments that that decision would be made and that glorious stand for Christ would be taken. Father, if there are folks in the room this morning that have been visiting with us for a good period of time, I pray today that our prayers would be answered and that they would come and join with our family and serve you with us. Increase our witness corporately. Father, if there are those in the room this morning that have great sin in their life, I pray that you would Work with them and forgive them and bless them and lead them. And Lord, we just want to see the results of that in their life. And we pray that it will come to pass during these days. Father, today we ask that you would do the miracles that you have done for trillions and trillions of times. We pray that it would be done again. We pray that folks would be responsive to the call of the gospel as we sing the invitation hymn together. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stand out here at the front. We're going to sing. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out and slip forward. Let's stand together.